You're listening to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom of four young boys, I know motherhood's hard. But sometimes I think I make it harder than it needs to be by putting myself in the center of things or even my kids. I forget to place God there and be led by His Spirit. I also tend to forget that I'm surrounded by God. He goes before me, He walks with me on the hard days, and He comes behind me when I make a mistake. So each week I'll interview someone new and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. Welcome y'all to the God-Centered Mom podcast. Um, I am really honored today to be able to share with you one of um, a longtime friend I've had. Um, You know those friends that you meet in certain stages of your life and then you kind of go out of contact, um, but you wish you hadn't, but you move across the country and then Facebook comes along and you get to reconnect. This is one of those friends and um, her name is Rebecca Greer and I was blessed to meet her when I first got married and I was living in a small suburb of Chicago and I had no job and no friends and she took me in and welcomed me to her Bible study and um, was just a really kindred spirit, like an Anna Green Gables kind of kindred spirit. And Rebecca's story is one I wanted to share because um, I just, I love how God has redeemed it and uh, we will share more about it in this podcast. But welcome, Rebecca, to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you. Um, Rebecca, Thank you. Yeah, she is still coming from Chicago area and um, I'm thrilled for the miracle of technology that we can talk via Skype. Um, yes. And hear your story. So, Rebecca, first of all, you are a God-centered mom. I know you are. What? How many mm-hmm. kids do you have? Tell us about your kids. Well, I have five kids now. Uh, my oldest, Wes, is uh, 18. And I can't believe that he's 18 because I, I think I can't we're, we were it. friends. I know he was two, I think, at the time. And <sighs> yeah, he's going off to college next year. Unbelievable. Um, and then... I know, and Naomi is uh, 16, and she's taller than me, which is also very overwhelming. Um, She she was literally the cutest little girl I'd ever met. I mean, I could have eaten her up. (laughs) She is a sweetheart. I I think, like, from one of your garage sales, I bought one of her denim little dresses in the hopes that I would someday (laughs) have a daughter to wear it, and it's still sitting in the closet. I'm not even kidding you. I have her dress in my closet. (laughs) I do. I would love to see a picture of that. Oh, I'm going to send it to you because there's no chance I'm more. I have no one to wear it. So, yeah, Uh, I'll send it to you. Well, you you know, you have one more to go to catch up with. No. Never know. You you win. You win. I I, I surrender. No, no, that's. I love Naomi. Sweet, sweet, sweet girl. She is a sweet girl. And then um, Abigail is 13. Um, and she, yes, she, Abigail is 13 and Jonah is <laughs> and Abigail, nine. like from Abigail down, I don't know your children. Cause I think we moved to San Francisco when you, yes. and you moved to Wisconsin. I think we went ways once you had like your third and then we were, you're right. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah. So, um, so Abigail's yeah. 13 and then Jonah, is Jonah is, yeah, Jonah, uh, he's almost 10 Wow. and, uh, Bridget is six and a half. So we've got a wide range of kids and all different stages. Man, and the, yeah, the Weston College thing. Okay, Rebecca gives me hope because I totally remember as a newly married, no kids, love kids person, just that he was a handful and I was, you know, you just think, wow, how is this guy going to turn out? And he is just, even from pictures, right? I haven't talked to him, but he just seems like such a honoring, respectful young man and just... I, I just love yeah. how that happens, how God just like, oh, these little people that can be challenging at times can like blossom into these amazing adults. So it really it's true. And I, you know, 
it's really the Lord Lord's work in his life. But I, he was a handful. I would say up to age three, I I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. That kid, I don't even know. Um, well, you started so, you started your motherhood journey in an untraditional way. You weren't. Yes. You had not finished college when you were married, right? It was. It was. Uh, you were young. Is that right? Yes, I was young. I was twenty, and I was uh, a student in college, and not living my life for the Lord in any way. Um, definitely, I'd grown up in a Christian home, and so I had the lingo down. And the and, and um, but I was not living my life for the Lord. Made some bad choices, and. Um, got involved with a guy and against a lot of godly counsel and wisdom that I did not listen to and ended up getting pregnant. And, um, that was a huge shock for me and a lot of people that I, um, that I knew family and friends. And we decided to get married, which, you know, you're young. I was 19 at the time. And, um, my whole life ahead of me this is what we should do let's get married let's have a family god can do something with this and that sort of became the foundation of um well the start of that life um so yeah it wasn't the best start but um and even though that was hard i mean you all you all were in love you had a lot of passion and hope and joy i mean it wasn't 100 percent hard i mean there was joy and and God, I felt like when I met you, you you're you're you were centered in God. I felt like I don't know, maybe by the time you had Naomi, but when I knew you, you were heavily in his word and prayer. I felt like that was a source yeah. of strength for you. It definitely was. At that time in my life I felt like um I had gone through some severe depression because I you know, I here I was you know, 20 years old with a newborn and all my friends were still in college and I had made this decision and it didn't feel like the right decision all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, so I struggled with, um, postpartum depression and, um, and that's what really sort of began to catapult me towards the Lord, Mm. um, and my need for him. And, and I didn't really have a lot of guidance. I didn't have, there was nobody discipling me. I was part of a church and there wasn't anybody coming alongside me. My parents lived in another state. And so I felt very alone. And so doing that Bible study that you were a part of and kind of collecting these, you know, friends that were all in sort of different seasons of life was sort of, I was sort of building this little knit family that I could, you know, connect with and would, I could love on and they could love on me. And that was sort of where it all started, I think. I would love for you to share kind of the next step of that story. What happened next with your relationship? Yeah, well, our relationship had always been challenging from the beginning. There, you know, there was uh, a foundation of dishonesty and um, and d- distrust, um, and I I think that was always there. And I was very insecure about this. I didn't feel chosen. I didn't feel like. Um, we had started out well and I didn't know this it wasn't until I think Jonah number four was born um, but there had been infidelity that he had been unfaithful to our marriage um, and I just hadn't known it I'd been suspicious of it um, just based on things that didn't add up or Mm. uh, relationships that seemed suspicious at work or things and I would jump to those conclusions and um, uh, and it turned out that a lot of those 
became it, it turned out to be true in mm -hmm. the end and everything kind of unraveled so that was probably about year five of our marriage and um we were part of a, a church in there he had renounced his faith i don't know if you remember that yeah, part because that was you know he had renounced his faith and walked yeah. away from the church and um and i had tried to continue going with the kids and being a part of the church and it just really uh, was a very difficult time um, living and being married with someone who has walked away from God and mm. in a very antagonistic way. Um, so, uh, yeah, things were really hard for a long time. And when things, after, it was probably around the time that Jonah was born, um, everything just kind of came out in the open. And we separated for the first time and... Um, the church came alongside me um, and gave, I, we were going to counseling. I was getting a lot of Christian counseling at the time. Um, and I felt like it was beneficial. I don't think that it really got to the heart issues within me. The focus was very much on what he was doing in his sin and his wrong. And, mm. and while that's very valid and true and worthy of you know, attention and like God, I wasn't at a place where I was allowing God to kind of peel back my layers yet. Hmm. And so, you know, my own insecurities, I think it was at the time that I, I found out I was pregnant with Jonah actually when we were separated. And so we ended up getting back together after a season of time. And, um, it just, it was just a cycle. I mean, we separated probably within the next three years after that, three, four or five years, um, we separated another two times. It, it just, we were going around the mountain, you know, with sin is just, if you're not going to submit to the Lord, it's just going to get worse. And, um, so did and that's he, what it did he ever, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did he ever, um, okay. in those times when you get back together, did he ever repent or come back to God or say, you know, I was wrong or, um, claim faith in any of those times or, or were they just apologies and, and, and try harders? They were apologies and I want to, you know, let's try harder. Let's do this different. Um, and I think I, each time that I said, okay, let's try again. It was out of fear and, um, a, a desire for things to be different and a willingness on my part to do whatever I could to help with that. And, mm -hmm. and I truly believed that God could do anything. I really believe that, you know, why would God want this to fail? This is, he, he doesn't like divorce and God can redeem anything. And I truly believe that. And I really was willing to do whatever, um, it took, but again, like it, it really wasn't until, um, the end really we were married 12 and a half years and it was towards the end of that that God really got a hold of me um, uh, and did some work in me that really made the difference and um, yeah but unfortunately it, it took a lot of going around the mountain for me and him did you, too. You, you mentioned fear that you had fear um, did you feel like you know because I've counseled friends um, who are in hard marriages where there's been infidelity and and always the goal is to reconcile and make the marriage right and at what you you say you you finally came around 
at what point as, you know, friends or the church, do you feel like, um, what's the good wisdom to give a woman who's going through that? A woman who's, you know, do I keep trusting God and making this marriage work? Or when is it, what was the thing that made you say, you know what? No, this is, this is enough. And I'm moving on and I'm trusting God in a different way. Right. Well, if that's a very personal it's a very personal thing, and I don't think that there is um, a formula for it other than um, I would say that the goal is not to pursue the relationship. The goal is to pursue the Lord. Mm. And some, someone showed me a triangle. It's called the relationship triangle. And I'm on one corner, and your spouse is on the other corner, and God is at the top. And as you pursue the Lord, and hopefully as he's pursuing the you're moving closer to God, but you're also moving closer to each other. And so I think so often we get so horizontal and we spend so much time trying to fix the other person or focus on the other person's sin and what they need to be doing differently. And it's not about that. Mm -hmm. It is not about that issue. It is a part of it. But yeah. the most important thing is growing closer to the Lord. What does he have for you? What What is your sin? What is, you know, looking at your part because... It takes two, and and I remember that one of the first days we sat down in this biblical counseling that we did at the time, and that there was an elder and his wife who were discipling us. To, um, this was the last year that we were together before we ended up divorcing, and um, she they had us they they put a piece of paper in front of us and they said draw a circle, and this is a pie. Now what percentage of your marriage failure right now is your fault and which percentage is his fault. And so, you know, we drew our pie chart and they both looked at us and they said, you're wrong. You are 100% responsible for you and you are 100% responsible for you. And it was just kind of eye opening wow. because we do that. You know, we, we go, well, I'm really only 15% wrong. He's like 90, you know, 85% of the problem here. And if he would just get his act together, then everything would be fine. And I had that perspective for yeah. so many years. Yeah. And it was eye opening to me when I saw that I am going to stand before the Lord completely exposed. I'm not going to be able to stand there and say, well, look, he did this, he did that. And that's why I responded this way. And mm -hmm. that's why I said this. Like, I'm going to be fully and completely accountable to him for everything that I've done. It was then that I really realized I'm just, I, you know, I have my own sin. I have my own junk that I need to get right before the Lord. And, um, and for me, that is the turning point. And that's what I would encourage, you know, women who are going through this to stop looking at the other's sin and what they're doing wrong and start going before the Lord and can, and allowing him to expose your heart, expose your own sin, your own, you know, what psychology today calls is, you know, uh, the psychology, the psychology terms of, um, being codependent and those yeah. kind of things, like they're very real, but yeah. God has specific words for those things too. And, mm. um, you know, and enabling and those things that I, I, I was definitely doing those things, but when we allow God's word to come and penetrate our heart and see what he has to say about our own sin, you know, it's, it's transforming. That is really what makes the difference. And I think, I think it goes back to what do you define as sin? So many of us, it's the external, 
Oh, the affair. That was the sin. That that's mm-hmm. totally sin. Or or he um you know we we look at all the the external, the scarlet letter things and yeah. totally miss our heart sin. Um mm-hmm. the not trusting God, the not feeling loved, that the all of the things that the idols before him, even putting our husbands yes. clinging to Absolutely. our husbands as idols. And if I lose him, I am lost and not That's saying, true. no, I'm only found in God. And so I, I totally, I, I think it's great that you bring that point up, that it's um, even in a situation that is so blatantly the husband has wronged me, um, that, that there could be equal sin on both parts. I think that's wise, very wise counsel. Well, and it's true because, you know, we are as Christians, even though if our husbands have been unfaithful, we are free in a sense, in a biblical sense, but we are not obligated. Mm. We are not, we, but we are obligated to forgiveness. Mm. That is our that is our godly response is forgiveness. And so, you know, I think God, Jesus, his ministry was that of reconciliation. That mm. is his heart. And I think that when we look at relationships from that perspective, like our goal should be reconciliation always it isn't divorce should not be the knee-jerk response and i i i see so often in the ministry that i do at my church you know women and men too are jumping to the divorce way too soon Hmm. and uh, way too soon and not giving time for god to work in both hearts um and i truly even though god did not restore that marriage for me um that was always my hope to the very end to the very end I was hoping that God would do something different and he and he didn't so you know you asked earlier like what was the defining moment for me that I knew um, I, I was pregnant with Bridget my number five uh, when I found out that he was involved again with this another woman and we separated and I did not want, the church was supporting me. They had walked a year with us and he had walked away from, he had gone before the elders of our church and he had walked away from that accountability. And they had come to me and said, this is enough, enough is enough. He's, you are not showing a godly response to sin by continuing in this, in a sense, enabling, like I said earlier. And um, that was really hard. I wrestled with that for a couple months actually because I I felt like if he wanted out of the marriage he should be the one to initiate but mm. he had shown a pattern of you know leaving but always kind of coming back because I would always take him back and never never really owning his choices and so I knew that he would never he was never going to initiate that um, and God allowed some series of events to happen that really um, showed me his heart um, and I had peace moving forward here I mean here I was I was about seven eight months pregnant with number five mm. and you know living all by myself with these children and he was living a half a mile away with this other woman and the child that they had had together and the pain but mm. I had peace. I had peace from God knowing that he was going to be with me. And for the first time in all the times that we had separated, 
I knew that I knew that I knew mm. that God would be with me and that I there was no going back to Egypt. There was no going back to Egypt this mm. time. And I and I it was just I literally it was just one foot in front of the other and I would sometimes look back and I would Th that thought of going back to that to slavery, what God had set me free from, I did not want to go back to hmm. that way of living and the cycles of sin. And so it was just a day-to-day -day thing, and I just knew. I just knew, and yet I prayed. I, said, I prayed, and I looked for signs that God would do something different and that he would change him. And it just, it didn't happen. And even, I even, we got divorced and I, even in my heart, I said, you know, Lord, I know you can still bring reconciliation after this mm. event. Mm. You know, I, my heart was, that was my heart. And, um, that was not God's plan. And I, honestly, to this day, I have no, so, there's still no sign that he's been repentant and changed, but I have, I have I don't have the answer to that to this day. I, you know, maybe one day in heaven the Lord will, you know, he'll say he'll I'll have an answer of why that didn't happen for well, us. But and your choice, you know, like you said, you had peace. Even though the circumstances, I, I mean, I I can't I mean <laughs> I literally can't even imagine because I remember the depths I went to when I had my fourth and I have, you know, my husband was here and there was no marriage issues and just the kids alone was enough to sink me for a period of time yeah. mm -hmm. that you would have peace is otherworldly. You know, it is it from is. God. Mm -hmm. And so you made the harder choice because you trusted God. And, and so tell us a little bit, walk us through a little bit what that looked like once you made that choice. What did, what did your situation even logistically, did you stay, like, did you stay in the same house? Did did you have support? Did you have to go back to work? What does that look like when your marriage is over and you have five kids and, and how do you, yeah. how do you keep going? Well, um, it was really important that I was plugged in and a part of my church, um, Harvest Bible Chapel in Naperville. And that was my church family. And I didn't have any family in that lived in state anywhere mm. near. Um, so my church family became my family, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I remember <laughs> I gave birth to Bridget in the hospital, brought her home to by myself to five to four other kids, and so it was. I, you know, I look back, and it can only be the grace of God that sustain, sustained me through that because it's overwhelming even to think about it now mm. um, and how how I managed that. But it was very much a day-to-day -day thing and a moment by moment um just depending on god's grace um and did you have a lot of friends like when you say the church give us specifics as the church you know if we see those around us what is the best way that they helped you what was the best thing that they did to support you in that time like practical well, I think the best, things the very very best thing that ever happened to me was um the when the elders just they supported me um an elder and his wife uh she discipled me for about for about a year and a half every single day we went through a bible study together called the walk of repentance um uh and we talked on the phone every morning and she discipled me she she opened god's word with me and it was the first time that um god's word 
came alive to me. And here I'd been a Christian all my, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, went to Christian college, all of this. Uh, and this was the first time that God's word became food for me. And that was probably the best thing was that discipleship. And I, I had never experienced that before, never seen that before. And she came alongside me for a year and a half and walked the hard road with me, sometimes talking for hours on the phone. Um, my dad was also a huge uh, part of my life. He um, was retired at the time, and he decided at that he, he um, loves John MacArthur and his ministry and um, was inspired by a ministry that John MacArthur has at his church for single moms. Um, he has a ministry where if the single mom, her heart is for her family and her children, and she wants to be home with them, um, they support. Um, you know, obviously there's accountability and there's help and there's guidance on how that all works. I'm not exactly certain, but it inspired my dad to come out of retirement and he was living in Wisconsin and he moved to Texas, never been to Texas in his life and got a job and sent me money every month because wow. there, you know, my ex-husband was not supporting us. And so I could stay home with wow. my newborn and my four other little kids. And he did that for several years, and that was um, a huge blessing to me um, to have that stability. And not only that, I mean, just spiritually, I, I we would talk on the phone for hours, and he would just read scripture over me mm. uh, and pray for me and, um, and just offer such guidance and encouragement to me when I... I just needed a word for the day, you know, I needed a word. And there was just sometimes he would just read scripture and something would pop out or, you know, he would just email me some verses and I just read and I read. And then that word, that's what would get me through the day. And that's mm. really how I existed for, for months was just the word of God and hunting for that one, one piece that would just speak to me for sometimes it would be just a couple hours and then I'd have to find something else and <laughs> I mean yeah. I my bible you should look at it I have it sitting here it's just it's dog-eared and underlined and circled and I had this um these note cards there was one time I was, I couldn't even leave the house there were some days where um I was so emotionally drained I needed God's word with me and so I I spent a whole day once just writing out these verses on note cards and I stuck them in a little baggie uh -huh. and I stuck them in my purse. And so I, when I'd be driving and all of a sudden I'd have anxiety well up inside of me or just brokenness and hurt over betrayal and loss and all of this stuff. I'd whip out these cards and I sit at the stoplight and I just read them and I would just feel God's peace because it would shift my focus back onto him. And mm. I would, you know, instead of my circumstances, I would focus and, you know, there were verses that would range from, um, you know, well, how does God deal? look at sin? What does God do with the evildoer? What is God, you know, where is he when we're suffering? And all just a huge range. I mean, you look at the Psalms and, you know, and how David prays. They're, they're just all over the map. And he, he so many different emotions that he experiences. Yeah. And I kind of took that as my model. And I just, I had scripture verses that addressed every emotion that I could ever feel and, and, and be faced with. And I would pull out these verses and they would point me back to the Lord and they would give me hope and they would encourage me and they would remind me of what is true. And that is what I needed. And I would, I'd be at a stoplight doing it. I'd be in a, you know, 
the waiting line at Target and I pull out a verse or I have one, I literally to this day still have one of those cards sitting on my dashboard board in my car. And it's been there for the last seven years. Wow. And it's, it's, that it's, is the most important thing. Yeah. It's interesting to me because, you know, I would think like, oh, bring a meal or um, watch the kids for you or, you know, I think of those things, but the spiritual support, you know, in a time when you can't find it, that's interesting you to know, me. Well, and I think that those things are important. Um, you know, with the, I'm leading a, a small, a small group of single moms and, you know, this Christmas, it was a, a big thing for our church to, to pour into these single moms with gifts and babysitting and meals and things like that. And, um, cause there's a lot of people in the church body. They just, they don't even know what to say. How do right. you help someone? You know, I don't really understand what you're going through. And I, at the time didn't have a lot of, um, support like that, but I do see that there is a need for that. And, mm. you know, there's a need for reaching out. And so much of the church body is very separated. Sometimes we've got our single moms over here. We've got our stay at home moms over here. We've got our, you know, it's very categorized and, you know, yeah. and trying to bring unity in the church body for um, the church body to care for the single moms. Like God says in James, there's a blessing for that. Pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans. That's how God mm. sees it. Yeah. We need to be doing more of that. Well, and there's so um, much like about orphan care and, and that's just like in your face all the time. Everyone's adopting, adopting, adopting internationally, locally, which is awesome. But it's like half yeah. of the challenge, like you said. It, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to do the uncomfortable thing and um, I think that your words of wisdom I think even texting a verse I mean that's like really simple you know you read something yeah. that morning and you have a list of friends that you know are in a hard time and you just text them the verse I have seen yeah. fruit from that in my own relationships when someone does it for me and even just like I've texted friends a prayer like literally yeah. like Lord yeah. for that person and I just think I, I think we don't realize it doesn't take like you don't have to like go to the grocery and buy like 40,000 pounds of food and take them to the single mom like she literally just needs a voice outside of yeah. her own to say you're not alone yeah I'm here I mean it's I, yeah. th I think it's awesome that your dad was there like he provided that male figure that you could yeah, call at night at the end of the day yeah. and just download yeah. what your day was about. I think as, that's huge. That's a really big blessing. Okay, so let's go to the next step. So you had that season. That lasted for how many years? Were you uh, – you said your dad for several years. Okay. So how long yeah. before the next was, stage of your life? Well, um, it's all kind of blurred together, I guess. Um, you know – after I, the divorce went, the, the divorce actually happened really quickly because, and again, I, I believe that was God's intervention in my life. Um, just based on how the typical divorce happens, it's just very long and drawn out and exhausting. And God just really severed things very, allowed things to be severed very quickly. And, um, and so I was pretty much on my own within a matter of months. And, um, God was just one of the things that he put on my heart that I needed to do. Part of my healing process was I needed to serve. And so I was serving at church and 
in uh, children's ministry because you know children are so non-judgmental and you, they don't ask a lot of hard questions so it's very fairly safe to go you know help in children's ministry and yeah. that's kind of all I could handle so I did that and um, the uh, I'm one of the one of my kids children's pastors I mean he's not on staff at the church but he was a volunteer youth pastor um, I hadn't really known him. He'd known my kids for several years and had invested a lot in um, going to camp with them as a counselor and um, small group leader and large group teaching time and for several years. So he knew them and I had never really, you know, he was the kid guy to me. I didn't really know anything about him, but um, he and a couple other of the, the uh, children's ministry leaders just started pouring into my family and spending time like his name Kevin and he uh, would take Wes out to play laser tag and come to soccer games and then there was this other uh, female leader Renee and she would um, have Naomi over for sleepovers and they just began pouring into my kids and and that was a huge blessing and by pouring into them they were pouring into me because that was uh, my heart was my kids and yeah. Um, anyway, so a friendship kind of began to develop between Renee and Kevin and I, and we'd email all the time together and we started playing, I started, I got invited to go play volleyball and Kevin and I started becoming friends and, you know, it ended up developing into more over time and we started dating and, um, we got married a couple <laughs> years later. So. <laughs> Which is so, I think you and I connected on Facebook around this time. Yeah. And and I think you were just kind of dating then. And you were yes. like, this might become a thing. I don't know. I'm just trusting God. Um, how was that? Like jumping back in and dating again and just allowing yourself to love someone again? And I just, I kind of want to paint a picture if, if someone's listening and they find themselves, um, you know, one, maybe not not sure um, if they could ever be married again. Um, what was that like for you? And and what emotions did you go through? And what questions did you go through? And what kind of eased your mind in that whole process? You know, I've, I've been asked this question before. And truly, a lot of my... Um, the ease of transition into a dating relationship with Kevin was his integrity and who he was and how I got to know him. Um, he was never married before, never really dated seriously before me, um, and was not looking necessarily for a relationship, um, was not, you know, you get into your thirties and you meet a lot of people who are desperate to get married and, you know, feeling that ticking, you know, the parenting, want to become parents, you know, in their 30s and um, not not anything like that with him. And hmm. he began, he just has a heart for kids. He loved serving with kids and he had done that for many years before meeting me. And um, he, the way we began our relationship was so honorable. I mean, he, we always in our communication always had a third party. Like he would never come up. He lived near, nearby me at the time. 
and um, he never came to my house without a third person. Wow. Because um, he would he would sometimes come over to work, fix stuff, and he he'd bring his dad or he'd bring another guy um, friend over and. Or if he came by himself, he wouldn't come in the house. He'd just work outside. And um, he'd uh, come pick up the kids to take them to Awana because he was the Awana leader. Um, and uh, it just was very trustworthy. Hmm. And for me, I had, I mean, my world had been rocked with trust, lack of trust and hmm. betrayal. And I didn't know, I honestly, I remember telling him, I don't know if I will ever recover. I don't know if I will ever recover. I don't. And honestly, without the Lord, I don't know that how I could have because it was just I was so broken. Um, and when we emailed, we always had a third party in our emails, too. So there was all this mm. accountability like that. He and he was just very honest with me in the beginning of how he, you know, wanted to make sure that there was integrity on his part whenever he was he knew that I was vulnerable and he didn't, was not going to take advantage of that. And wow. Also, and also the kids as well. And so everything was just very out in the open. Um, when he came over for dinner a couple times, but we'd always have another family too, or another friend. So there was always in a group. Um, and when he invited me to play volleyball, it was in a group setting and we drove separately and it was just very safe. I felt so safe and and in the back of my mind, as well, if I'm honest, it was very freeing because I had thought in who would ever want to marry a woman with five kids. And so <laughs> that very, that very thought, that very yeah. thought was very freeing. Yeah, you know, like you could just be whoever pressure. you wanted. You could be whoever yes, you you're not I trying to impress them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I didn't have to impress them. I didn't have to. You're not trying to win them over because there's no, no way you can. Yeah, you're like there's an no open way book. I can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And so my, which is probably was, more attractive because you're not being insecure and awkward and like yeah. putting this front up. You're just like being the awesome person God made you to be. Yeah. And it was a, a season of time where, you know, I got to figure out what things I liked again. Cause it had been so many years since I'd really done anything for myself. And uh, I'd been so caught up in pain and loss and betrayal and the yo-yo, the circling around. It's just, well, and the you kind of, of you life. went you went straight into kids. I mean, you didn't do the whole I'm going to go to college right. and find myself, and then I'm going to try a career and figure out right. myself, and then I'll have kids. Like you right. jumped right no. into kids, and so that became your identity, probably. And Very so, much so. You're, yeah, I, I think that's awesome that he that period of time you were free yeah. to discover who God made you to be. Yeah, and. It was a, it was a, it was a fun season. It was scary at the time too, but I knew, I knew when he decided that, you know, or when he asked me if he, if I wanted to start dating and just, just to see where God would take this, I knew he was serious. Like I knew that he would, this was not just playing around with for him. Mm. I knew that he took this very seriously. He loved my kids. Mm. He had spent, he knew my kids for years before. So I, I, they loved him. Mm. I mean, they thought he was the greatest thing. And so I, I knew he was going to be very careful and loving and gentle and wise about his relationship with me. And that allowed me to be very, uh, feel very, very safe. And so we decided to start dating. And then we dated for about two and a half years before 
we got engaged and that was a, I mean, that was a really challenging time. It was wonderful in many ways, but it was very, very challenging. And that's a whole nother topic of dating with kids. And, you know, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. that's a challenging, it's a challenging um, situation, but God really brought a lot of healing and grew us, um, both of us and prepared us for um, marriage and him to be a father of five instantly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, it's good he liked kids and he already had the relationship. I, mean, I just feel like when I – just following you via social media, which I know sounds crazy, but just like <laughs> – it's kind of like you get glimpses of people's lives. And I know it's not the real yeah. deal, but it was just so encouraging to me kind of knowing where we'd left off with you in yeah. in Chicago. And like just to kind of see from a distance, it was almost like I got a bigger picture of God's grace. I could just kind of see like, oh, here's this man and oh, like – he even kind of looks like he fits perfectly. Like his features kind of match. Doesn't I mean? Don't you think? Like he? No, it's yeah. I mean, I'm sure people don't even doubt that he is their biological father. I mean, do they right. when they see him? No, no, not really. They, no, they, I mean, he just fits. Look like him. Yeah. yeah, he just it's fits. Funny. Yeah, and I just I just would see like family game nights and these trips and everyone's laughing and jumping on the trampoline and I'm just like <laughs> joy is emanating from this family where it could have been a totally different story of it is, yes. and, I mean and, and not that there wasn't sadness and heartache and and trials and challenges but I just smile when I see pictures of your family. Yes. I just smile. Well, it is the picture of you know, what his word says, he turns beauty for, you know, beauty, beauty from, from ashes. ashes. Yeah. You know, and I, but, you know, the one thing that I'm always careful when I tell my story, because that isn't where the hope lies. Yes. The hope, it doesn't, the right. hope does not lie in a new father for your kids or a new mm -hmm. husband. That's not where the hope should be. And that isn't what God promises. Right. Um, and so I'm, while my story ends in a cool way and you know God's still working and he's obviously there's probably many trials lying ahead that I'm still preparing for but you know while that that section of my life story has been rewritten in this way and God's redeemed it um, the the lesson isn't the hope isn't that God will bring someone new and mm. someone different the hope is that God will he is faithful to his promises and he will provide and he will take care of you. But there is an obedience that needs to have, you know, there's obedience that need to his word that needs to be present in your life. You know, it isn't, he, God takes marriage very seriously. And so we need to take it very seriously. We need to be willing to do the hard work of, um, you know, repentance of ourself and forgiveness. That's another huge piece. And, um, I think and that's, I, that's very wise. I, wanna... I think that's very wise because mm -hmm. I do think someone could come in and can hear your story and they could say, mm -hmm. yeah, my husband cheated on me. I should leave him and then I'll get a better husband. And there's no heart work done. There's no God moving. I mean, I think when you just hear the facts and the situation, you miss all the heart work that happened, all the, the, like you said, the hours on the phone being discipled, the time spent in God's word, the, the bending of your will, the forgiveness. I mean, it wasn't just this um, storybook tale 
of Prince Charming swooping no. in. I mean, there's hard work, and, and like you said, it, it, I think it's a very, very good thing to say. That's not the hope. That's well, not and the, the hope. truth is, without that hard work, without allowing God to do the transformation in your life, you will remarry. You will pursue the same kind of mm. Wow, that's yeah. a good word. That yeah. is, that's a good you know, word right that there. Is, that is the scary thing. And because um, there is no way that Kevin would have been attracted to the woman I was, you know, 10 years ago, mm. eight years ago, because yeah, I loved God and yeah, I wanted to do what's right. But I, there was a, there was a lot of obedience missing from my life. Mm. And, um, and I was not who I became. Mm. And so well, they say, they say you marry at the same level of brokenness. So that is a very good point. Like, like if you are, if, if you've gone through what you went through, and you are at the, you mentioned you were at a broken place. If you don't find healing, which can only come through Jesus, I mean, he, he binds the brokenhearted. Yes. You will make, you will maintain that same level of brokenness. And, and you may even find yourself marrying even in, in a harder place. You may find That's yourself because you're even more broken. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely, absolutely true. Forgiveness is just, is a huge piece. I see, so I've, I come in contact with so many, um, divorced women and bitterness is such a huge piece um, and that they have not worked through or that it's an ongoing battle and it is I mean and it's a legitimate ongoing battle because the for me a lot of things were just severed and done um, and I don't have to um, I don't have to face him on a regular basis and deal with a lot of the the issues surrounding our past relationship on a regular basis but a lot of people do and that is a a real thing and bitterness and forgiveness are daily things that have to be dealt with and um, that's a big piece uh, for moving forward and having healing and being able to move on to a new relationship without taking your baggage with you Um, wow well thank you Rebecca for sharing your story I feel like um, we should do another podcast where you talk about dating with kids because you know we'll see I, I I really feel like um what you shared I know there are women out there and I, I do think it's a topic that's not discussed enough um but that's the reality of a world we live in that's broken and and um, there are a lot of hurting people that need God and so I just pray for everyone listening that you would um seek God I pray for those who are in relationships with women going through the situation that that you could direct them to God and, and be that discipler if you're able or to share verses or to be a support or to let them know that they're not walking this alone. Um, and I just thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing um, the hard part of your story and, and also the hope. So thank you for yeah, being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I hope you enjoyed our guests as much as I did. And if you're looking for resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. I want you to know that God is just as present at your kitchen sink as your church pew, that he sees your service and he is pleased. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.